0: On this week's Better Managers Briefing podcast, Anne Franco welcomes Babak Yazdani, the Executive Dean of Nottingham Business School based at Nottingham Trent University, which was CMI's first university partner. Babak is also a CMI companion and sits on our board of trustees.
1: It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you. Hi, great to be here.
1: So clearly these times have been challenging for everybody, but but perhaps particularly challenging for universities and their students. How has um, Nottingham Business School coped? And do you see the approach toward education being changed in the longer term by COVID?
0: Yes, of course. We we, we went through a number of phases uh, when uh, the pandemic really started um, showing itself and uh, we went into lockdowns so and we switched very quickly uh, to teaching and delivering everything online and enabled all our students to, uh, uh, to learn online uh, because that wasn't the mode that we were obviously operating in and surprisingly that also included sending a lot of our students um, a kit to be able to be online so people think that young uh, uh, people all are fully digitally enabled but that's uh, that wasn't the case so we did um Uh, do quite a lot of uh, work in order to make sure that everybody is able to connect and um, uh, interface with us online. We then got into the business of processes and uh, all the regulations that uh, uh, go in with this as well. It may sound like, okay, just do everything that you did before online, but there are quite a lot of other things in the background that have to happen as well. So we went through that process of change as well. what was uh, apparent very quickly for us, though, was that we need to think about the long-term, not just the short-term. And um, this may last a bit longer, and uh, even if it wasn't there, we were on a digital transformation journey for ourselves. And when you're in a digital space, you're doing things in a different way, and uh, it's not just do the same thing in a different environment. You have to utilize the capabilities that the digital world offers you. We have learned through this process that we need to be able to work uh, and bring the best of these two worlds together. Mm -hmm. Because there are advantages offered online and there are advantages in physical sense. And there are quite a lot of things that you can do both uh, temporarily and physically good online but there are some big limitations to the online as well that needs to be taken into account so so we've uh, grappled with that and set a long-term course for ourselves but our students lacked the sense of community that they would enjoy in the physical world and we have created a fantastic environment for them where they do a great deal of of stuff in uh, collaboration with each other in lots of experiences that they gain because university is not just about the course that you do it's also about the relationships you build it's about uh, opening up your mind to many many avenues of thinking and thought and that really is done better in the physical world um, uh, when you are in an environment that's vibrant as well, so so there are uh, things that we've learned that uh, it's not all just oh fantastic online. Let's just go and do that.
1: Uh, yeah, no, uh, sure. I'm. Um, I, I know that um, you've got a lot of um, experiential approach to education, and I, that's very important to you. Um, but you know, if you look at your students, you mentioned they lost that sense of community. And we know that this time has been particularly trying for young people in terms of opportunities and also in terms of their mental health. And what what would you like to see um, government employers and educators do to address these longer term impacts on this um, COVID generation of students? And and what can the students do themselves? Uh,
0: Obviously, let's start with the students. The students obviously need to make sure that they do participate actively. Uh, even for the material now that's going to be for them available on demand, and it's a slightly different term from just online, it, the material that we create uh, and curate for them uh, that they can consume, uh, some of that is now going to be done on demand for them. So they could do it anytime they want, uh, but then it gives them uh, a material that they need to come in and participate in the discussions, in the work, in the experiential stuff. So in order to do that, you need to really engage and not be passive. You need to be active. So that's a, a very important thing for our uh, students. And our students are obviously not just undergraduate. We have postgraduates from all over the world. We have postgraduates mm-hmm. from all over the country. And we have executives um, participating in our programs. So that active participation is absolutely key. Um, now, what uh, what, uh, what can the institutions do, what can the government do? The institutions like ours obviously have to facilitate this hybrid nature of work uh, and uh, we have to invest on that. That That's not something that uh, is uh, just flick a switch and it's done. We have to create that environment uh, and uh, to a large extent we've progressed very much on that, but there's a lot of uh, um, Sometimes we think technology is really ahead, but actually technology is not that ahead in terms of creating a hybrid environment. Uh, so there are things out there, but we need to invest on that. So tech companies that we work with, so for example, we are partners with Microsoft on um, using their tools and we test some of their things way ahead of everybody else. But that what that means is that we are co-creating the new environment together with these companies. Now, what governments can do, not in this regard only, uh, but in the regard that, um, uh, th- that allows us to do things that we've been doing. So, for example, uh, the way that our uh, visas work for our international students to come in, the way they interact with us and the ups and downs of COVID um, that have been forced upon us um, have to be taken into account. So they need to help us. Uh, to do that. So for example, we have people coming from uh, red listed countries, Mm -hmm. how we uh, bring them in, make sure that they are safe, make sure that they are taken care of and make sure that everybody else is safe, is going uh, still to be worked out fully. Um, We as universities would like to be more actively engaged in that. I think if uh, we consider the number of international students arriving in the UK is into a, uh, tens and perhaps hundreds of thousands every year uh, then actually the government doesn't have the capacity to deal with them uh, it, it is a distributed capacity that exists amongst all the universities including ours so the government needs to engage with us to help us to help them and help everybody else in the process um, they are a big component of our um, educational system international students. So that's a that's an important thing uh, to think about. Um, and they're a big part of our economic future, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. As well as our uh, uh, social and the cultural future. Um, uh, and they are a very important uh, constituent part. So when we talk about our students, we're not just talking about 18-year-olds coming into university. We are talking about a large number of people. Education is an international entity now. And uh, knowledge and science has no national boundaries um, in reality. So we need to learn from them and make this uh, very vibrant for us. In the same way for our students to be able to operate in a global world.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's a really good point. And you, know, you could see that with the approach that the scientific community took to developing vaccines, that was a global scientific effort um, and, you know, it has been incredibly important and it will still be um, very important to promote global communities to solve the COVID issue and, and some of the other issues that we'll come on to as part of post COVID challenge. Um, but meanwhile, another thing that that we've also recognized and, you know, it's close to both of our hearts is that better managed companies, better managed firms cope better in COVID, um, the, you know, the, the ONS showed that Um, I think you and I both know that. And it's nice to see the government championing a program to help smaller firms um, invest in their management and leadership um, capability. The Help to Grow program where, um, you know, I know I'm on the advisory board and and, and Nottingham Business School is a major deliverer of that program. Um, So so what are your aspirations? It's a 12-week mini MBA with lots of practical elements. Um, what would you like to see coming out of that program and what's, what, are, what are your aspirations?
0: Sure. Uh, the government has uh, put its money where its uh, mouth is in this case and has uh, tried to um, uh, bring lots of small businesses to uh, contact with business schools that are small business charters, and trying to uh, get a lot of learning and quite a bit of co-learning and coaching going on in these programs. It's, it's a nicely designed program. It could benefit from um, reaching out further. So, for example, into the CMI's uh, uh, great resources, uh, it, it could be very useful for, uh, for that to be the case as well. Um, we will. We, uh, yes, we we been with that. Yeah, 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 of course. We've, we've been delivering these things for a very long time. And the predecessor to this, the Small Business Leadership Program that we delivered last year, I went online and we delivered very successfully, and a lot of people. Um, participated. I think we touched about 400 companies on that last year, uh, and uh, some of those companies are um, doing other things with us. And uh, when they come into contact with business schools, it opens up a whole bunch of other avenues, uh, whether it'll be about their tech requirements or their knowledge requirements or their business requirements. So it's a great thing for small businesses to get involved in. So I I encourage and um, urge. Uh, small businesses to look into it and uh, get engaged. Um, uh, There is obviously subsidized uh, um, uh, work for this, and it's very heavily subsidized for small businesses. Uh, And bigger businesses can also benefit from these things because, you know, uh, management and leadership is not just for small businesses. No. (laughs) Uh, and uh, Large businesses also require to develop their leadership and management capabilities. Um especially at different echelons with different levels in an organization um, you we are all organizations are just as good as their leadership um capability and their leadership capability is not just sitting in the managers and things it's about the whole organization understanding where they're going and how they are going to be um uh, creating new um capabilities and new products, new processes, new services, all of this is not done, it's not the realm of just the managers and the leaders, it's the realm of everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. And one thing we have uh, perhaps could be reflecting on uh, post-COVID is that organizations need to think about their purpose a bit more, about their, uh, not just their economic purpose, but their social purpose, their environmental uh, responsibilities. Uh, and their um, responsibilities, uh, not just for now, but for the future, uh, for the future generations, and and think really long term. Uh, And that that has been something that has, uh, you know, many leaders have had to to pause and think a little bit. And we need to configure ourselves for a long term future. Um, And that's something quite interesting coming out of COVID.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I agree with you. And, you know, it would be great if the um, businesses that do participate and help to grow get that, um, um, you know, that belief that it's actually not just their as leaders, but for all of their organization, that they continue to develop their capabilities um, so that they can innovate. But you mentioned coming out of COVID that purpose is more important. There are many things, maybe longer-term things, sustainability, um, well-being, that may impact how we view business and what's important in management and leadership and what's important for business schools. So uh, t- tell us what do you think some of those um, trends are and how they're going to shape uh, what we learn in the future and how we right. operate?
0: And uh, sustainability is already a big thing for uh, businesses and for consumers of different services and products, and uh, for people in general in um, in life. Uh, because you know, we we want to uh, do something that's not going to negatively impact our prospects in the long term. Um, the world, um, I mean, in terms of trends, the world is increasingly flush with data. And businesses can spring up to utilize this for benefits, uh, benefiting people, and uh, even older businesses, uh, the existing businesses also create new ways, new services, new products, and um, and improve their current uh, uh, range of uh, services and products for uh, people through use of data. Same time, the use of data creates a responsibility opportunity for us, and and ethical questions come into mind. So the uh, business schools obviously are in the uh, bedrock of this. So, for example, uh, we are uh, something called uh, principles of responsible management education. We are not just signatories uh, to this UN uh, charter, but we are champions of it uh, uh, globally. And um, we, we, we promote responsible management education. Um, and others look up to us and to say, okay, well, how do you do that? in uh, curriculum. How do you do that in finance? How do you do that in accounting? How do you do that in marketing and management and various other activities? And and somebody told me, um, it was actually former CEO of Diageo when he had come over uh, uh, to give us a very, very interesting talk uh, at our school a couple of years back, um, that uh, he mentioned that we are custodians of uh, these brands and these businesses. We are not owners. Uh, and that's quite an interesting distinction for a company that's been around, uh, a company like Guinness that has been around for 250 years. And um, th- to think about that, you know, we are managing, we are leaders of certain organisations today, um, and we need to make sure that what remains tomorrow is fit for uh, long-term purpose. Um, and therefore, uh, things that are mattering to us now are uh, bringing good understanding of how do you use data, um, the, how do uh, the, the science of data, the analytics uh, of data, but how do you use that ethically, how do you not uh, infringe on people's um, privacies and liberties, and uh, how do you make society uh, develop with these tools, because some of these things, have also potential negative effects that we've seen, in fact, uh, um, the case of Cambridge Analytica comes in mind, that was a very obvious case um,
1: of... uh, Yes, or even the recent um, backlash um, that the um, England players experienced on social media, right, so there's always downsides. all of these
0: upsides and the other thing business schools and indeed universities uh, not just in this country but very much so in this country uh, are working on is to making sure that we level up um, the opportunities for everyone Uh, because there are social disparities whether uh, what sort of economic background you're coming from or social background you're coming from so we are very much into that and the experiential learning and the personalization program which we are leaders on um, very much uh, is geared uh, to making sure that everybody that comes to university um, has the opportunity to maximize their own potential to do what they want to do in the future. Um, and that, those are quite important uh, issues for uh, uh, for us. And some uh, business schools like ours have been at the forefront of that, but others are very quickly following in this um, personalization agenda of making sure everybody gets a rich experience and not just in terms of um, what they study and the stuff they see in their courses, but in terms of all the experiences they accumulate, what, uh, uh, for example, internship or uh, what projects they're working with or what uh, placements they may have or what uh, company level engagement they may have. All these things uh, that we provide are experiences that actually change the prospects of even those who may not traditionally have come to university.
1: Um, yeah, now that's really important, the personalization. And before we open up for questions, just wanted to ask you a personal question. What have you learned as a leader in COVID? Um, oh. And what what one piece of advice would you give our 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 listeners, our audience?
0: Well, I, I think that what everybody has had to think about is this sense of purpose, which I alluded to earlier. But that, that's quite important, and we have revisited our own purpose and reconfirmed uh, us because we are here to combine academic excellence with uh, real positive impact on people, on business, on society, um, and that, that's our purpose uh, uh, in itself, and that, that uh, continues to guide us. But what's absolutely obvious uh, through this for us is that communication has been absolutely paramount into keeping that sense of community in a world that suddenly became uh, fragmented into people's homes. Um, To keep that uh, community uh, is very, very important Uh, and a lot of people are telling us now they are missing uh, getting together and they are missing the social aspects. And, incidentally, the innovation aspect, because innovation happens because of fusing of ideas and accidental bumping of uh, ideas into each other. So those are big lessons for us. Um, And the other thing I've learned is that there are positives and negatives to this tech, and um, we must make sure that the new configuration brings these together in a holistic manner, not in a, oh, let's just, uh, take some of this uh, more advanced tech and plug it into the existing world. We need to think of how we create and design and configure um, new ways of delivery. Uh, people will expect different uh, things. So yeah. you know, when you go online and order something and it's uh, at your doorstep the following morning, um, it give, creates a different level of expectation from service.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, Well, uh, fascinating uh, uh, views there. Now, I want to make sure we have some time for questions. Our first one is from Janice. Um, Is an emphasis on digital literacy for staff overshadowing the need for new digital first pedagogies, in your view?
0: Yeah, and I go back to this that we have to think about it from okay, how does learning happen? And uh, and what's our role in there, what's the role of technology in there, what are the best things uh, provided within the technological environment, and what are the best things uh, uh, delivered in the physical environment, in the in-person environment, and how do we put these uh, things uh, together so it gives a result that is better than each one of them individually. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I was going to go and uh, meet um, our students uh, in a specific company. So technology enables me to do that much quicker and easier. So I don't have to go miles and miles and do that. At the same time, I don't get the same feel about that company that um, I would have otherwise when I visit that company uh, and understand them. So how do we bring these things needs to be thought about
1: uh,
0: and uh, configured together. So I agree we've also done a huge amount of learning ourselves about how to do the technology and they are evolving very fast and um, you know every time i look at zoom or teams or any other environment it's changed um, and uh, we need to also learn and teach ourselves and uh, relearn how we utilize these technologies and there's plenty of them around so that's not an easy um, task so we've put in place a whole Um, infrastructure that's helping us learn how to best use the technology and which environment is um, the utility of each environment and how to bring these things together we are still on uh, early stages of that journey so
1: yeah but it sounds fascinating Um, yeah it is exciting and so our next question comes from jemima In your opinion how important is mentorship within business and even more so uh, who the mentor is
0: oh very important i think um, mentoring has become uh, quite obvious to people that everybody needs uh, uh, some people to sound uh, uh, their ideas from and develop and somebody to guide them perhaps uh, to uh, show them the way no matter which level of the organization you are in um, there used to be uh, a time when mentors were, what is this, why do I need a mentor? Uh, but I think everybody realizes that um, uh, there's a great deal of benefit uh, for the individual and for the organizations to be get, uh, getting about from mentorship. And by the way, some of that mentorship can be done quite easily online.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and uh, you, know, you, you can access m- more uh, stuff easier online and um, some of it uh, obviously is is very useful in person as well but
1: um, yeah but like you said it's a hybrid right it's a bit of both um so next question comes from winston the pandemic has completely shifted the importance of certain skills managers and leaders now need in the workplace how agile are curriculums to keep up with these fast-paced changes to ensure graduates are prepared for work
0: well Uh, Yeah, that's uh, in many cases, it is quite uh, kept up to date. In many cases, as we are learning ourselves, there there, there are um, uh, patches of work that haven't kept up. Uh, And it is uh, organizations need to invest in this training and development. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: So for example, we have something called, uh, I don't know why it is called, but it's called Purple Wednesdays. Um, uh, and Wednesday afternoons we, every week, we put in uh, training for our colleagues. Um, then uh, specialised um, training is also made available through some of it online, some of it physical, in order to keep us up to date uh, as well. But organisations need to think of how to uh, keep that training up to date. The other thing is about it is that we need to deliver a consistent and uh, uh, you know, cohesive uh, service. So that's also important. That you know, if one part of it is really very strongly delivered online, and the other part is struggling, that's not a good uh, picture either. We need to be able to give a consistent experience to our um, service users.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it is a great point. Um, but uh, I love the the idea of Purple Wednesdays. Um, Uh, to keep up with the fast-paced, changing environment. Uh, (laughs) So, our our last question comes from Mo. In your experience, what are the key areas that managers and leaders in SMEs are lacking? And does the Help to Grow scheme address these areas?
0: Well, we say SMEs, and in that is a very large uh, range of uh, organizations and companies, and so, To generalise at that level would be a gross um, idea, you know, I could say some things, but it will not apply. Uh, So the programme, the Help to Grow programme, as with other programmes that are designed, are done in a way that uh, they can be relevant for a very large range and they cover the business fundamentals. And different people will take different parts of that um because they'll be familiar let's say you know they'll be more familiar with finance in some cases they'll be less familiar with uh, um, marketing in uh, another aspect Uh, uh, but the things that are uh, new to us are how to use data and uh, actually the program also includes coaching Uh uh, and mentoring and that uh, that itself helps uh, you personalize it uh, yep. to a so so that's, that's important. There is no single uh, silver bullet, as it were, to solve everybody's problem. A company that's a, a tech company, or a small company with 10 people, to a large organization with 50, 60, 80, 100 people, they are all different. They're all SMEs. And uh, different sectors, obviously, have different demands. Uh,
1: so the, well, well, one of the outcomes, of course, as well, is they have to produce a growth plan, right, sure. for their business. So mm-hmm. that's one of the uh, expected outcomes from the help to grow program. So in that sense, it you know what what it does is enable them to take from the program what they need to address their own growth plan.
0: And that that's tailored to each company as well, yeah. because you know a company may be wanting to export more or uh, another company may be wanting to uh, make uh, processes more efficient and uh, another one so there's a huge amount of strategy so it is about divide deciding what it is that you're going to be doing well and how to do that better and actually having the leadership capabilities uh, to to enter these uh, domains if you haven't entered so so that, that's, uh, that's the purpose of the organization. But absolutely, you're right. There's a business uh, angle, a growth angle to this. And uh, that's why the government is uh, um, backing it.
1: Yeah, no, it's very important as ever. It's been great to speak with you today. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on these topics. Thank you, Babette.
0: Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you and the CMR. You've been listening to a podcast edition of Better Managers Briefing with Anne Franker, CEO of the Chartered Management Institute. CMI members can now access more content and insights around the subjects raised in this podcast through our Management Direct portal. If you are new to CMI or yet to access our range of management
1: and leadership resources or the other benefits of membership, please visit managers.org.uk forward slash management direct.